Welcome to Freedom, Becoming Fully Alive, and our current series, Foolproof Solutions for Impossible Relationships. The title of our session today is Let Go of the Fool in Your Life and Live. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that it's never too late for a fresh start. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness throughout the day. And Lord, not a fresh start for the sake of a fresh start, but one that leads to freedom in you, Lord. Free to love, free to be loved, free to give, free to receive, free to live like the son or daughter you've destined us to be, fully alive and free, not defined by any human being, not defined by a person, place, or thing, not defined by a fool or anybody else, but defined by the living God, the one who's always right, the one who is the authority, the only true God. That's you, Lord, and we commit this time to you. We open our hearts to receive, and I pray that each one will be free to receive today all that you have and more, because we know that with you, there's always more that we can even think or pray or ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are, stepping into the flow of freedom. I've got a theme passage today. It's taken from Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. It's one that we have referred to before, but today it is the theme passage. In that scripture it says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Today's session, as I already mentioned, let go of your fool and live. Referring to this book that I've mentioned before, Foolproofing Your Life by Jan Silvius, it has inspired this series. It's a great book. We have copies on the table. I encourage you to get one. If money is an issue, if it's not in the budget, don't let that stop you. We want you to have a copy of this book if you want one. It'll be a great blessing to you. But to start things off today, I'd like to quote uh, Jan from page 199. Page 199, and here it is. It gives a little more context and a little more definition for what we're going to be talking about today, and that is what it really means to let go of your fool and live. We don't want letting go to be a trite-sounding phrase. I know you know that what those are like. Perhaps in your Christian life you've heard a lot of phrases that sounded trite to you. One thing about it, though, things aren't trite when there's revelation. <laughs> Knowing Christ as our sufficiency might, might sound trite to someone, but it isn't if he is. To say he's enough, to let the Lord be enough, might sound trite to some, but it isn't trite if he is enough. Trusting God, we just need to trust God. Some people object to that and say, oh, that just sounds like a trite-sounding phrase. Just trust the Lord. Well, the Bible does teach that, obviously. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. 
verses 4 and 5. And here we are, letting go. Is this going to be another one of those trite-sounding phases or phrases? Just let go. But what does that really mean? I love to get specific. I love it when we can get practical because I believe God is specific and he is practical. Shoe leather, street level, applicable, relevant Christianity. His life. Word made flesh, if you will, living out from his life. Well, here it is in the book, letting go. What does it really mean? Referring to, referring to what she has said. Letting go is the hardest challenge you face but it because it requires you to lay down every weapon, hook, rope, cord, or device you have for maintaining control. Let's take a closer look at that. Letting go is the hardest challenge you face because it requires you to lay down every weapon, hook, rope, cord, or device you have for maintaining control. When you let go, you determine to trust that God himself will faithfully handle whatever situation your letting go creates. Because when you let go, there will be consequences. <laughs> when you let go, there will be situations But are we going to trust God with whatever that means? Let's take a closer look. There are seven points that I'd like to talk about today. Just happened to turn out that way. <laughs> the number seven, number of completion. Seven points that I believe we can safely say are included in letting go. Number one, fully accept that you cannot change your fool. They can change, but you will not change them. Last week I shared with you I stand before you as a former fool. I changed. Not because this wonderful woman succeeded in changing me. She didn't change me. She prayed to the one who did. And interestingly enough, the things I'm going to be sharing today, she did. She didn't have the book back then foolproofing your life, but she did have this one. <laughs> this one is always right. And uh, with childlike faith, she put into practice most everything that I'm going to be sharing with you today. The Lord taught her. So fully accept you cannot change the fool in your life, or your fool, if you will. Number two, Stay out of the fool's web. Don't allow them to engage you, to suck you in, to draw you in. And 
How do we avoid that? Don't make agreeing with that person the goal. Don't make agreement the goal. Number two, don't make being understood. If it's so important to you that they understand what you're trying to say and, and what you're trying to do, and they validate it, they understand it, they acknowledge it, don't even make that the goal. And certainly, don't make being right the goal. Because, as we have shared before, shifting back to previous, the two previous sessions and the two previous theme verses, remember in Proverbs 16.22, the New American Standard Version, shared that last week, understanding is a fountain of life to him who has it. What we need is understanding. But the discipline of fools is folly. And then couple that with what it says in Proverbs 1.7 from the first session of this series. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. A fool will not respond to wisdom. The fool will not respond to your wisdom. You will not change the fool in your life with a good argument. You will not be able to present a good enough case. Because it's foolishness to them. It's folly to them. And even to discipline them has no effect. There is one who can get through, but it isn't you, <laughs> and it isn't me. There's a story in the book that is a great example of a woman who was married to a fool that understood what it, what it means to, if I can say it this way, uh, distance herself from the fool in her life and not engage, uh, stay out of the web, if you will. And this story is taken from page 165. I believe I witnessed a woman, I believe I wit witnessed a woman of wisdom, a woman of wisdom in action just last week. It was Friday, Friday night at Walmart, the gathering spot for the gene pool of America. <laughs> I spotted... I spotted a man in his 70s accompanied by an elegantly dressed woman. He was talking very loud, with a very loud voice, that everyone within three aisles in either direction could hear. When I saw the commotion, I inched my way to where he was, thinking to myself, this is going to be a good one. And sure enough, I wasn't disappointed. Waving his hands and hollering in his most abrasive, intimidating tone, the elderly customer was accusing the checkout clerk of cheating him. He insisted that the electronic scanner was set up at too fast a clip, but the truth was that he simply couldn't keep up. In big-mouthed fool fashion, 
he demanded a rescan of all his purchases. His wife had been standing next to him, quietly slipped to the crowd <laughs> in front of the store. No doubt she had experienced her husband's foolish behavior before. It was obvious that he didn't care who heard his outburst or what they thought. And embarrassing his wife was of no concern to him. As I watched this couple, I could see that his wife had learned how to put space between herself and her fool as he exposed his folly to everyone that could hear. She neither shouted nor pouted. She just knew she needed to step back and get out of his way. A woman of lesser wisdom would have tried to rescue him from his situation or would have taken him on with an argument. This woman didn't either. She laid down whatever words were on the tip of her tongue and let her husband go his foolish way. She did not have to be a part of the crazy scene. And she was mature enough to know it. She didn't engage. Have we been in those situations with a fool? We try to rescue them. We try to protect them. We try to intervene. Or are we free to let them go and let them be responsible for their own life and action, knowing that we are not them and they are not us? It's true whether it's a spouse or a child or whoever, they are who they are. We aren't the same person. We're not guilty by association. Though we may feel that way. We may feel the shame of those kind of events. Where there's embarrassment, often there is shame. Stay out of the fool's web. And maybe another way to say it is stay out of the fool's way <laughs> and stay out of the fool's web. I'm not done lest, lest this is bringing some thoughts. Well, how about this or how about that? Or am I just supposed to say nothing? I'm not done. But we need to start somewhere. Do you really believe you can't change them? And number two, stay out of the web. Stay out of their web. Remember the first part of our theme verse today? Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Then number three, overcome evil with good. Don't respond in like manner. Don't react to them in the same way they're acting toward you. A verse that uh, would apply here is actually found on page 169 of the Foolproof book. And it's Romans 12, 
Romans 12, 17 through 21, New American Standard Version. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your revenge. Never take your own revenge. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, and by the way, I might say, things could get so bad that it could even start feeling like the fool in your life is an enemy. So again, settle it at the extreme. If they're not an enemy, it'll still settle it. If you settle it at the extreme, surely the extreme will be settled. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on your head. In so doing, it will be a sweet fragrance to the Lord. It'll be an act of, of worship of, uh, to the Lord. It'll be uh, a sweet aroma to the Lord. This kind of behavior coming against that kind of foolish behavior in the opposite spirit. That is, the, that is one of the biggest challenges of relating to a fool is the challenge of not reacting to them the way they're acting toward us. Overcome evil with good. Don't respond in like kind or in like manner. Number four, you've probably, be, you've probably been wondering why this hasn't come up sooner, <laughs> but here it is. Forgive your fool. Forgive the fool in your life. As we read in, in, on page 170 of the Foolproof book, it lists that scripture. And the passage that I'm speaking of is James 3, James 3, 13 through 16. And it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Remember, wisdom is seeing things from God's point of view and relating accordingly. Understanding is applied wisdom. It's the fountain of life. It's the fountain we need. It's what we really need. Applied wisdom to relate to a fool. But if you harbor bitter envy, in other words, if you let your heart get away from you, you give in to frustration, you try to control the outcome, you start taking it personally, you get upset with them because of the shame and the embarrassment, the bewilderment that is going on. If you harbor bitter, bitterness or bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. That's interesting. 
For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. And then she goes on to say, the author goes on to say on page 70, right after this uh, quotation, overcoming evil with good can be a daunting task if you harbor bitterness in your heart. So we just mentioned overcoming evil with good, which sets the stage. Okay, if we haven't already addressed this, we have to now. Forgive. And let's turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Isn't that interesting? That's so often what happens. In our exasperation, in our frustration, in our bewilderment, faced with the bizarre, we sometimes leak. We react. And we say things that surprise us. It's like, oh, I didn't know that was in there. I mean, even maybe profanity has come out of your mouth. And you thought, oh, man, I'm really going downhill. But the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. And let this be a warning. Let this be, a, let this be an indicator. Let this be an alarm that if we're reacting, if we're not responding to the Lord, but instead reacting in like kind, we're leaking when we get bumped, we're spilling, let that be an, an alarm. Let it be a good thing in the sense of, I've got some, I've got some heart issues here. Yeah, yes, the fool is an issue, and God is concerned about the fool, but how's my heart doing? And isn't that ironic? Isn't it ironic that if we let our hearts get away from us and we begin to resent the fool, among other things, we might actually start acting more and more like them. Isn't that interesting? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed uh, for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And if you've been a part of the Fresh Start ministry, you've heard more than once what forgiveness really is. And if you've been a part of the freedom ministry in earlier sessions, you've heard that the essence of forgiveness is canceling the debt. In other words, that debt of, they, we may not think about it this way, but we want them to change or we want an apology. And that becomes the debt. Pay me what you owe me, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Pay me what you owe me. Granted, we've been forgiven a debt of sin we could never pay. We're forgiven, and now here, pay me what you owe me. Give me that apology, Dave. Change, Dave. Quit that foolish behavior. Quit embarrassing me. Quit belittling me. 
fill in the blank, pay me what you owe me, the change that I want to see. And by the way, God wants it too, so that's my leverage, right? Cancel the debt. Does that mean I'm indifferent? Does that mean I don't care? Of course I care. The one who cares the most lives in me. So I shouldn't be surprised if I'm bothered when he's bothered. Because he hates sin. And I shouldn't be surprised if I hate it in others and in myself. Cancel the debt. They owe me nothing for my sake. They owe God everything, whether they realize it or not. To forgive them frees me, but it doesn't free them from responsibility. They may not know that, and the fool could probably care less about that, but are you willing to let God be in charge of that? Also, we could say that included in the definition of forgiving, it happens to include letting go. It happens to include releasing. So it's totally in keeping with the theme of this session, but it's, I'm removing my claim, I'm canceling my claim, I'm canceling my entitlement. It can be very challenging, it can be very offensive, it can be very bewildering, but they owe me nothing for my sake because I've made that glorious exchange. I've traded what I've wanted from them and I've taken him instead for who he is, his word, his life, his love, his forgiveness, his sufficiency, for me to live as Christ. He's the one. When you forgive someone, you're making God more important than that person. You're loving God more than loving what you want from that person. There's many things that take place when you forgive. Many things that are good things that need to happen in us. And... Don't be surprised if you get reoffended. Forgive again. But what if it happens again? It's like, I just feel like when I forgive, I'm, 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 uh, I'm losing control. Yes, you are. <laughs> You're giving up control. Well, somebody needs to set them straight, right? Somebody needs to hold them to account, right? Somebody needs to help them see not you. There's one that can handle it, but it's not you or me. So another way we can settle forgiveness is is that the extreme is, okay, what if they do it again? Forgive them in advance. Forgive them in advance. Well, maybe they won't do this thing again. Maybe there won't be this commission or omission that's been so hurtful or offensive. So for so many years, maybe they won't do it again. If they do, forgive them in advance. In other words, that's a forgiving spirit. Not only forgiving, not only forgiveness applied to past or present scenarios, offenses and hurts, but Forgiveness applied to the future, a forgiving spirit that says they owe me nothing, past, present, or future, for my sake, because he has given me 
everything. This won't make you indifferent. It won't mean your heart won't break at times. It won't mean that you won't be tempted. It won't mean you won't give in to temptation. It won't mean that you never sin again. But it's the attitude that God desires. And it's one of the important parts of what it really means to let go. Number one, to fully accept you can't change your fool, to stay out of the fool's web, to overcome evil with good, and to forgive your fool. Number five, this allows you, this allows you to do number five, which is detach from your fool. It allows you to do it in a spirit-led, wisdom-filled way. Because I'll define detachment in a moment, but let me share that without the previous things that we've talked about, if you just start with detachment, it could be a selfish thing. It could be a self-protective thing. What does it mean to detach? It includes that you don't open, you don't up, open yourself up for intimate, revealing conversations. You don't share on more of an intimate level. You don't invite them to share on more of an intimate level of heart. But instead, you speak with civility. You're kind and civil. And you share only the information that needs to be shared to conduct the business at hand. Again, not engaging in combat, staying out of the web, not responding to foolishness, but you could call it poise under pressure. Maintaining poise under pressure. They may accuse you of being fake. They may accuse you of, you just won't share with me. You won't talk to me anymore. But you are not obligated to open your heart up to just anybody. As we've been talking about many times in freedom, free to love, free to be loved, free to give, free to receive, free to have an intimate relationship with your husband or wife, free to have an appropriately close heart-to-heart -heart relationship with someone else on God's terms, but not obligated to share on more of an intimate level with someone who is not relationally trustworthy. You don't have to prove you can take it. Well, I'll share my heart, but I know they're just going to stab it again. I know they're going to mock me. I know they're going to ridicule. I know they're going to find fault. Do you have to prove you can take it? Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord. There are some things I'd like to share, but it isn't safe to share because their response is not going to be a blessing. <laughs> their response is not going to be edifying. Their response is not going to be helpful. It's not necessary. I'm willing to. That's key. I'm willing to, as opposed to, I'll never share my heart with them again. Lord, I'm willing to. It's a wisdom. It's a wisdom issue. But I, I hope you see the strategic place of this particular part because if you apply this 
before you forgive, you know, you're just building a fortress. You're just building walls, and behind the walls, you're bitter and unforgiving, and you, the only purpose for those walls are to protect you. That's not God's design. We need, to be, we need to be willing to be hurt again. If we've made any vows, I'll never let them hurt me again. I'll never let them embarrass me again. You must renounce that vow today in Jesus' name. Because I assure you, you will be hurt again. You will be embarrassed again. If not with them, with someone, you won't avoid it. Welcome to planet Earth. It's all part of the training, too. It's all part of the making of a man, the making of a woman, the molding and the shaping of the same. It's all a part of us becoming. Jesus himself, again, the ultimate, the supreme, the extreme. Nobody more mocked than he. Nobody more rejected. Nobody treated more unjustly. He was not a victim. He came to do the will of the Father. But even he, when he was going through the trial, didn't have to say much, did he? Didn't have to defend himself. Didn't have to be right. Because he knew who he was. He knew whose he was. He knew why he was here. And he was on a mission that's why we have to have that settled anyway. With or without a fool in our life? <laughs> Those are themes we've been talking about in freedom for weeks and weeks at different times. That's what God wants for all of us, free to be the real you, with or without a fool. But if you have one, again, how do you relate? And detach in the way I've defined is a part of what you can do, which is, really, which is really another application of our theme passage for today. Answer a fool according to his, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So, in other words, you're free to share, but wisdom to share on the level of sharing that is wisdom, that's appropriate. And they may say, oh, you're just so superficial. Isn't it, isn't it ironic? They, they want to flush you out at times. They want to hear your heart only to ridicule it, only to stab it, and, and, or to respond in some other way. You know, it could be a situation where uh, in a fa the family dynamics could include uh, you share your heart and the other person uh, reacts and is overprotective. That's not a blessing. Or if somebody's hurt you, and you're sharing that with your mom and dad, and they, you share that with them, and then they overreact, and they want to crucify that other person. That's not a blessing. So it's like the ironic thing of it is, is that that parent or that family member that would really like to have a closer relationship with you, that husband, the wife, family member would like to have a closer relationship with you, but what they don't realize is if they react like a fool, you won't be able to share on a very deep level with them, which then they sabotage themselves because they want to have more meaningful conversation, but you can't. 
You can't have a meaningful conversation with them because if you do, they react, they, they spout folly, they take up an offense for you, they try to crucify the person that has supposedly wronged you, or they are too nurturing, or I should say coddling, and to your own detriment, overprotective, and it's like, it's easier not, it's better, not easier. It's more wise just to keep it at a superficial level. But isn't that interesting? But the fool will try to flush you out. Don't let him flush you out. Relate to them on God's terms. Not their terms. Not your terms. God's terms. And if you don't know what God's terms are, keep coming to Fresh Start and Freedom. <laughs> you'll discover God's terms. And you'll live by them with confidence. Okay, number six. Number six, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And here we are, the, the verse will be, the verse reference or the verses that would apply here would be Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. Let's look at that. Ephesians 4, 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Let me make one proviso there. Somebody could look at that and say, Oh, man, alive, I've had these thoughts. I mean, I've mean, I got to be a person of integrity. Yes, but what does that mean? Not without wisdom, with wisdom. I've been having these thoughts, and you know, they're, they're asking me these point-blank questions, and what am I going to say? Am I gonna, do I really tell them what I think? Or if they're not asking, do I volunteer every thought that's gone into my mind, everything I've been considering? No, 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 no. Do we realize that there's things that go on in our minds and hearts, some of which are temptations that we haven't even owned? You are not obligated to download your whole radar screen about that person for them. It's like backing the proverbial uh, dump truck up and just dumping all the thoughts you've had, all the feelings you've had, all the frustrations you've had. If that is what speaking the truth in love is all about, that's a misapplication. It's with wisdom, with discretion, and with that timing Keep that in mind, because I wouldn't want you to leave here today, those of you that are very conscientious and those of you that have obedient hearts, which I hope is everybody, and think, oh my, I've been holding back. I've got to tell them what I really think. Well, speak the truth in love with wisdom. And again, I go back to our theme passage. Don't answer a fool according to his folly lest you be like him. That, that, at that point, it's saying nothing. Nothing. Not even the truth. Nothing. Or, next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Then it's truth for sure. As a former fool, as a former fool, there were times when I was spouting folly in Mindy's direction or at family gatherings it, it, it was, the fool was gushing forth folly many times. And there were times that she and they, who were at the family gathering, said nothing. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that they were necessarily thinking of this verse. They may have been in shock. But nonetheless, they said nothing, which is exactly what I needed, because then what the fool had just said was ringing in the fool's ears, and I was becoming convicted. But then there were times when Mindy would speak the truth. She quit attacking me back, but she'd, she'd speak the truth to that situation. She would, not defending herself, but whatever was true, she would speak it in regard to the folly I had just spoken. And I can remember time after time, I knew she was right, but I didn't let her know that. And she might have thought, see, I'm not getting through. I speak the truth, but it's having no impact on him. It was. I just didn't want her to know that it was. But it was. It was having impact. So I say that to encourage you. Don't decide that when you do speak the truth in love, that it's having no impact. It may be having more impact than you realize. But it shouldn't be, your goal shouldn't be that you change them anyway. It should be enough that you deliver the package of truth. Deliver the package. What they do with it is up to them. It's not up to you. Have it be enough that you delivered. And, and one point that uh, Jan Silvius brings up in the book, which I thought was a good point, many good points, could it be that when you speak the truth out loud to them, not attacking them, attacking the issue, staying on issue, speaking the truth to the issue, not tearing them down, not saying you'll never change, you're so you're so bitter, you're so foolish, you're so this, you're so that, none of that, but speaking to the issue at hand, correcting whatever's been said by speaking the truth into it, could it be that the greatest benefit for you speaking the truth is for you? You need to hear it. <laughs> you need to be reminded. You need to be validated. It may have no effect on them, but if it's true, it's true for you. Let that be an encouragement to you. Speak the truth. You must speak the truth with strength and dignity. In so doing, you are assuming responsibility and not leaving up to your fool to define you or your relationship with him. You can speak the truth. The fool may say some things that come across like he or she is trying to define you and uh, making attacking statements against you. You may say nothing. You may choose to not answer them. But if you do answer them, speak the truth into that situation. And be prepared for them to have a rebuttal. Be prepared for them not to allow you to have the last say. Be prepared that they'll want to get the last word in. Let them have the last word. Here again, you'll get in the web if being understood is the goal. Agreement or being right, stay out of the web. Let them have the last say. And then finally, number seven, and there really is not a limitation, but because there's always more. 
But number seven is pray. And what kind of prayer are we talking about? <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about putting our trust in our prayers. We're not talking about, oh, okay, help me pray it just right. You see, the problem here is I'm not saying it right. The problem here is I'm not praying it right. See, I've just got to pray just the right way, just got to ask the right way, and then it'll work. No. What we're talking about here, and here again, I don't want prayer. You know, it's part of the enemy's strategy. He wants the things that are so dear to God's heart to be common to us, as opposed to sacred and fresh, like prayer. I'm talking about a prayer of desperation. I'm talking about prayer of dependency. I'm talking about prayer where you don't know what to pray. So you're praying with groanings. You're praying, perhaps you're praying in tongues if God has given you that gift. You don't know what to pray in your native tongue. So you are just crying out to God and in desperation and in dependency, fully convinced, fully convinced as you pray, fully convinced as you pray that you cannot change your fool, that you realize you got in that web again and you've got to stay out of that web, and you can't respond in like kind. You must be you must respond in the opposite spirit, overcoming evil with good. And forgive again, Lord, I forgive again. Lord, how many times do I have to forgive, Lord? When is this going to end, Lord? Cancel the debt. Forgive, forgive. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, I'm totally dependent. Lord, when is this going to change? Lord, why are you letting this happen? What's going to happen to him or her if I let them go? Realizing you must have the Lord's wisdom to have a conversation with a fool. And you can't build a wall. You cannot build a fortress. If you build a fortress, you'll be the isolated one. You build walls, you'll be the isolated one. You build walls of protection, you'll be the one that's not free to be who you've been created to be. And any vertical wall is never just vertical to protect you from that person. It always goes over your head and it affects and restricts your communion with the Most High God. You can't have it both ways. You can't block them here, put up a wall here, and think that it won't affect you here because it will. We will be hurt again. We will be betrayed again. We will be offended again. We will be embarrassed again. Nobody likes it, but we will. Embrace it and ask God to use it for his purposes. Giving thanks in and for all things. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, speaking the truth in love, a prayer of surrender, surrendering yourself and your fool to the Lord, who's all-wise, 
all-loving, and all-powerful. And I love what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And of course, if any lack wisdom, if any lack wisdom, ask. I thought it was interesting as I was looking at this again last night. I thought the positioning of that verse was interesting. As you look at in James, the first chapter, in James, the first chapter, where it says in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If any, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Notice what it says before then. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. That's what God's up to. It's so easy for us to focus on the fool and think if the fool changes, everything will be better. Well, God cares about the fool more than we do. He's more committed to the fool than we are. So when we let go, the fool couldn't be in better hands. But we dare not lose sight of what God cares most about as it relates to us. And that's what I just read. That we would become a people perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Conformed to his image. And seen clearly from his point of view, which is wisdom. I had a goal for this session, <laughs> and my goal is this, that you will let go of your fool and entrust the consequences of your letting go to the Lord. I'd like Jeff to put a question up, a series of questions actually on the board or on the screen, and this will lead us into our table time. Are you ready to let go of your fool? Yes? No? Why? Why not? If yes, if yes, how would your life change? If not, what is hindering you? Sometimes I believe that you can say it different ways, but I sometimes think that um, to get up and do something can help us. And if it would help you to take a piece of paper right now as a prelude to your sharing at the table or at the end of your sharing at the table, your choice, and it would be this, to write, now, write down the name of your fool and to tell the Lord 
that you are letting him or her go and you're leaving the consequences of what all that means to the Lord. If you're ready now, I invite you to write that down to that effect and come up here. and lay it at the cross. The place of death, the place of separation. Death is separation. The fool may not cease to exist. The challenge may not cease to exist, exist, but you, in a whole new way, can be separated from the power of that. You can be separated from the power of the fool, the effects that the fool is having on you, and you can let go and live again. And sometimes it helps to be specific. It always helps to be specific. But whether it's now or later, I give you opportunity now and before you leave. Because if you need to talk about it some more, if you need to share at your table before you do this, are you ready to let go of your fool if, if the answer is yes, then by all means, without delay, write it down and come to the cross, the place of separation, and separate it there, exchanging the fool and all that you've wanted for the fool and, and the role that you've tried to play with the fool, the martyr, the hero, the deliverer, the one who's going to help this fool live. Let it go. That fool will only live unless that fool surrenders to the one who is life and lives on his terms. You can let go and live. If you don't, then using the, mark, using the mountain climbing analogy that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, you'll be continuing to climb the mountain of life and you'll be taking the fool with you and the fool could be your very downfall. Let the fool go and live. So I'm going to pray, and then you can respond now, and if not now, have your table time. Leaders facilitate everyone sharing answers to one or more of these questions, and then before we leave this room, please, 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 no begging, just encouragement, no pressure, just opportunity. Don't leave this room without letting go and beginning to live again. You can live not dependent upon your fool, but dependent upon him. The Lord can deal with your fool. He's up to it. I stand before you as a rescued fool and one who's fully alive as a son. May that give you encouragement. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts that this would be the day of separation, that this would be the day of letting go, that this would be the day of deliverance from fear, that this would be the day of resigning a plain God, that this would be the day of resigning to being the hero, the martyr, the deliverer, but we'll let the fool go and let you bring whatever circumstances need to be, whether it's likened unto the prodigal and the pig pen and the distant land or whatever it takes, it'll be worth it, Lord. It will be worth it for him or her to come to their senses. We will not bring them to their senses. They must feel the pain. They must feel the consequences. They must come to their own reality. Set us free today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.